this morning we'll be reading from Psalm 2, if you'd like to follow along on the screen or in your Bibles. Psalm 2. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, You are my son, today I have become your father. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Bless are all who take refuge in him. Hello again, everyone. Uh, if you missed it before, my name is Scott. I'm the pastor here at Trinity Church Paraka. Kids, if you've got one of the activity packs, I didn't explain this before, but if you've got one of the activity packs where you're making craft, this is what it looks like in the end. You're cutting out a crown. So, uh, yep, I'll leave you guys to figure out. You can figure out how to do that, and then you can wear it later on. Or take my one. Um, here's the question to start this morning. Where does real power lie? Who has like, real power? Is it uh, kings and queens? Is it royalty? Uh, certainly they're pretty influential. You just look at how much coverage Prince Philip's death and funeral has had in the last week. But uh, do they really have power? I don't know anyone who really thinks that anymore, at least not in the system we're part of in Australia. Instead for us, is it, is it um, prime ministers and presidents? Do they have real power? You know, they're the ones that make the laws of the land. Um, they've got some power then, don't they? But, but then again, maybe it's, it's, it's we, the people, who have the power because when we don't like the Prime Minister, we just vote him out and get another one in. So maybe we've got real power. But then again, maybe the real power lies in media organisations and social media organisations because they, they can influence us. They control what we see and what we don't see. They control the, kind of the, the, the narrative we hear. So maybe they've got power, but then again, maybe it's not the, the organisations themselves that have the power, but it's the mega-rich who own the organisations. They've got the real power, because in the end they can control what their organisations do and say. Who has real power? What do you think? Because it actually matters, doesn't it? It matters who has power. Power in the wrong hands is is a deadly thing. Just, just look at what's happening in Myanmar at the moment. It matters who has power. Because in the end, one way or the other, it impacts us, either for good or for bad. Who's got real power? Uh, we just read Psalm 2. The, the Psalms are like ancient Israel's great songbook, you know, collected hits from way back when. But they're songs that speak to us of what life is like in God's world. And today we hear, in Psalm 2, we hear where real power lies in God's world. Who wants it and who has it? That's what we're looking at today. Now, as we read through the psalm before, you might have noticed there's a number of voices that speak to us in the psalm. Uh, each of these voices, they're all talking about power and where power really lies. 
And the first thing to notice in these voices, it's the thing that's most obvious. God's appointed king is the one with true power. God's appointed king is the one with true power. You, you, you get that in the first voice that we hear. It's the voice of the nations. Uh, it's the voice of the people in those nations and the people ruling those nations. They're all coming together because they recognize that God's king is the one who has power over them and they want to get rid of him. They want to, they want to put an end to God's king. So look what they say in verse 3. Let's break their chains and throw off their shackles. They're coming together in an effort to get rid of God's appointed king. They want, it, they want God out of the picture. Uh, when I was in high school, I had a job. I was mostly working with other people who were high school students. And we had a really great manager. He was fantastic. Everybody loved Chris. But we had a big boss who nobody liked. He was not a popular man. And a bunch of my fellow workers got together and they decided they wanted to express their disapproval of our big boss. And um, they decided that the best way to do this, to say we don't like you, was to get together one night. And they thought, when we get together, we're going to throw eggs at our boss's house. And of course that's what you do. Isn't that what you'd do with your boss if you didn't like him? Um, That's what they did. And you can probably figure this out for yourselves. But it didn't really change anything. Our, our boss stayed the boss. In fact, it did change something. That's, that's not true. It did change something. It changed their employment status. They went from being employed to being fired. Um, despite their gathering together, despite their conspiring, it changed nothing. And there's a similarity between that and what's happening in the psalm here. The nations want to overthrow God. They want to get rid of God's rule and God's king over them but it actually gets them nowhere. You see this in the second voice. It's the voice of God. And actually, the first thing we hear from God is not his voice at all. It's actually his laughter. Not that something funny is going on, but check it out with me. Verse 4. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. It's not a funny moment. You can see that in the next verse. It gets pretty intense. He rebukes them in his anger. And terrifies them in his wrath. Their attempts to overthrow God and God's king are met with derision and anger. And then God speaks. We hear his voice. In verse 6 he says, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. Those are simple words, right? It's not very hard to understand what he's saying. My king is the king. But they're actually, they're big words, massive, huge words. Because of the one who speaks them. The one who says this is the one who is enthroned in heaven. What he says goes and he says This is my king, and he will not be overthrown. And then there's a third voice we hear. Or really, it's just the voice of God that we hear again. But this time, he's not talking to the rebellious nations. Now he turns and he talks to his chosen king. Uh, And he says to his king, you've got it all. It's all yours. Look Look at verse 7. God says... You are my son. 
Today, I've become your father. God's chosen king has got this tight relationship with God, right? Their family, God adopts this king as his son. But there's more to it. He goes on, he says, Ask of me, and I'll make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You'll break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. These nations, so many of them want to overthrow God's king, but God says to his king, it's all yours, everything. There's nowhere in this world that you are not king. The whole world is yours. And if anyone wants to rebel, if anyone wants to overthrow you, you've got the power to destroy them. Uh, my family, when we went on holidays recently, went to the Gold Coast and because we were away from home, we didn't have our normal things. And so when it came to mealtime, we didn't have our, the normal plastic plates that we give our kids food on. Um, we had to use the normal ceramic plates that, that you and I would generally eat off. And so we're there on the first day, and it's lunchtime. And we give uh, my son Isaac, he's not quite two yet, we give him his food on this ceramic plate. And so he's eating along, he's eating along, and when he decides he's had enough, he just... Whoosh, the plate didn't bounce. Uh, it smashed across the floor, you can imagine, can't you? Pieces everywhere. You know, even if you had super glue, there's no chance of putting this thing back together. That's the kind of image going on here in the psalm, isn't it? The, the broken, uh, like pieces of pottery. God's king is able to take down and destroy any nation that rebels. It's easy just flicking a plate off the edge of a table. Not that it's about childish destruction, though. That's not what the psalm is about. But it's a contrast. You see the contrast? On the one hand, God's king has, well, he has absolute power. On the other hand, these nations that want to rebel, they're, they're totally helpless, right? They can't do it. And so that's the point that the psalm is making so clear for us. God's appointed king is the one with true power. Now, originally, back, back, back in the day, this psalm was a psalm that was sung by ancient Israel. And it seems like they probably sung, sung this song when a new king came to power. So at coronation day, the whole nation gets together and, and they sing this song. And you can imagine, it's quite a rousing thing to sing, isn't it? Because you think, he is our new king, yes, and he has real power. God has given him real power. So all you other nations around us, you look out. Don't mess with us because our king is the one who has real power, not yours. If you believed it, you can imagine it would be a wonderfully reassuring, rousing message. Because back in that day, when you lived in a world with so much upheaval and so much war, you actually have something true to rest in. That your king has, has power, that God has given him. How wonderfully reassuring for ancient Israel. But then again, friends, how much more is this a song for us today who follow Jesus? Because ultimately, ancient Israel's kings failed and they faded away from history. But this is a song that ultimately is about Jesus. The one who is God's king, not just for the next 
40 or 50 years, but who is God's king forever. The one whose kingdom truly is a worldwide kingdom. The one to whom every knee will one day bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. This truly is a song about Jesus. For Jesus is the one who has true power given by God. And the point of the psalm, you see the point? That there's one king, there's one true king in our world, one ruler who actually does rule the world. There might be all sorts of people and organisations in our world who have some form of power and, and a lot of them struggle over who has that power. But there's one and only one who truly rules. And that one is Jesus. Because God, the one enthroned in heaven, God has given that power to Jesus. Jesus rules. I like going to a buffet meal. Anyone else like going to a buffet? You know what I mean? There's a few. I think it's fantastic. You know, they put everything there and you just choose what you want. So today maybe you want a bit of roast lamb. Well, you, we've got that for you. Or no, you want some seafood to go alongside that. Well, that's over there. If you just want to go straight for dessert, there's a whole pile of desserts over there. Everything your mind could imagine. Everything is there. A smorgasbord of options. And you can just pick and choose what you like. I think it is fantastic. This is the way I love to do food all the time. Uh, my weight says it's not a good idea. However, I think this is the way our society thinks about religion and about faith, isn't it? It's like a buffet, right? There's a whole bunch of options there. You just choose the bits that you want. It might change from today to tomorrow. Today, maybe you want a bit of Jesus' teaching along with a slice of New Age spiritual thinking, and maybe you want to sprinkle some Buddhist meditation on top of that as well, but that's, that's fine. You go for it. We're a buffet. This psalm, though, it's telling us that's not really the way it is. That's not reality. But the reality is that there's one king, and only one. There aren't lots of different options, but Jesus is the king over the whole world. Friends, for us at, at Trinity Church Praca, this drives our mission. This drives our mission. Because if Jesus was just one option amongst the buffet of religions, if there were other options in life, then we'd be saying, okay, you choose what you want, whatever works for you, you go for it. That's no worries. But God says, no. He said, God says, my king is Jesus. He rules over the whole world. And there is now no other. Which means for us as a church then, we just want people to know their real king, who is Jesus. To come to him and follow him and honour him as their king. Not that we try and do this by force either though. We do this by invitation, by uh, persuasion. Inviting our friends to consider Jesus, to get to know what he really is like and, and, and to get to know what it's like to, to, to follow him. We want to persuade our friends and our neighbours because we know there's one king, there's not many, there's one king and he's their king.
So, how are we going to do this as a church? How are we going to do this as a church? Well, look, I want to tell you about something that's going to happen in terms three and four this year. We're going to have a big mission program. It's going to affect everything that we do as a church. We'll be asking our friends a question. We'll be listening to what they say. We'll mould some of our Sundays around those questions. We'll run the live series again. We're going to kick it all off on the 1st of August. We'll get together with our sister churches at Modbury and Golden Grove for a combined church gathering on Sunday, the 1st of August, because they're going to join us in doing this big mission program. It's going to be big. It's going to be totally worth it because we're convinced as a church there is one king and only one king. Jesus is the one with real power and we want everyone to know him then, don't we? It's exciting. I can't wait for us to get there. But that is a little while away. So what do we do now? Just sit around and twiddle our thumbs and wait? No. 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 Um, look, there's, there's stacks we could be doing, but I just want to remind you of one thing this morning. It's something that we talked about earlier in the year as well. I put this question to us. Maybe you remember it. I asked us, what's the heartbeat of mission? What is the heartbeat of mission? It's, it's prayer, isn't it? Prayer. That is, prayer is the thing that pumps around the blood, that gives life to everything we do in mission. Because in prayer, we ask God to work, and that's what we're relying on when we do mission. It's, we're relying on God to be at work. So, earlier this year, I suggested that we each start praying for three friends. People we know, people we see regularly, but, but friends of ours who, who don't yet know Jesus. And today, I just wanted to remind you about this and ask, have you started? Are, are you praying for your three friends? Imagine if we were. You know, each of us, we have three friends. You could pray for each of your friends. We pray once a day. You pray for each of your friends twice every week. You could still miss a day. How good would it be if we were doing this? Imagine God hearing all of us praying like this. Imagine God answering our prayers. Jesus rules the world, friends. Are you praying that your friends will get to know their true king? But there's another voice we hear in this psalm too. It's, it's the voice of the one who's writing the psalm out for us. And it, it's kind of like a conclusion to the psalm. It's a voice that's talking to anyone who hears the psalm. It's a voice that's talking to us, still us today. And here's what it says. Blessing is found in fleeing to the king, not from him. That's our second point for today. Blessing is found in fleeing to the king, not from the king. You see in verse 11 and 12, at the start of it, we're told to serve this king, to celebrate his rule, to kiss the son, not as a thing of romance, but as a sign of allegiance and submission to the king. Will you honor God's king? Will you give yourself over to Jesus? That's the question we're being asked in the psalm. Because the other option is destruction. It's not good. You know, I reckon today it's easy to get the wrong idea of this psalm. We can hear this psalm and we can think things like, this sounds like something I don't want. This sounds like the kind of abuse of power that we see too much of in our world. The kind of thing that's happening in Myanmar. You know what's happening in Myanmar now? The, the army has taken over and they're essentially they've set themselves up as dictators 
And they're pretty brutal dictators at that. Their people want freedom in their country, so they protest against the army, but the army just sees rebels. Uh, they want to quash the rebellion, and so in the past week they've, they've used deadly force time and time and time again. It's horrible. And it can sound like a similar thing is going on here, that the nations, they just don't want God to rule over them. They want to be free from his rule, and, and so they, they, they rebel, but God's just promising destruction if they keep it up. And so it's easy for people to read this psalm today and hear it and, and, and think, I don't like this king. I don't want to give allegiance to him. I want to run away from him. What is that? That, that, that's actually not what's going on here. Um, there's, there's a couple of key differences. The first is that with God, there is no brutal dictator. There's God who is good. And he, who shows his goodness, who, who gives people life and breath and every good gift that we have and the second thing to notice is that there is a promise of destruction here and that is a form of God's judgment but that also happens when you have life without God you take this good God out of the picture and you take away everything that is good so what's left Destruction is the end point of life without God. I'm sure most of us have heard about the uh, Narnia series. Yes? You know the books or the movies? I want to tell you about a a scene from the second book, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. There's this scene here. The four siblings, they stumble into the land of Narnia and they're talking to a couple of beavers, who have the really descriptive title of Mr. Beaver and Mrs. Beaver. Um, And they're going to meet the great Aslan. And there's a moment where Susan, who's the older sister, Susan finds out that Aslan is a lion. And uh, this is what she says to the beavers. Ooh, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, and no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Lucy is Susan's younger sister and she pipes up. Then he isn't safe. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Normally when we're faced with dangerous things, we, we, we learn, we get taught to run the other way, right? So with my kids, I don't teach them that if they find a snake, to go up and pat it. That's, when we have fires, right, we evacuate places. We run from things that are unsafe. But Jesus is different. In the words of Narnia, he may not be safe. He's much bigger than us, much more powerful. There's no taming someone like Jesus so that he can be your household pet that you bring out when you want. But he's good. He's gentle. He's kind. He's compassionate and loving. Jesus is, is one who's so much bigger, so much more powerful. There's nothing safe in that sense about him. 
But we don't run from him. Friends, we run to him. Verse 12 puts it like this. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. In Jesus the King. Last week we were talking about blessing. Blessing was found in drinking deeply from the word of God. This week we see blessing is found in the King, in Jesus, and in taking refuge in him. Refuge is about finding protection, being safe in a world that is otherwise unsafe. And the psalm says that's what Jesus brings to life. As the one, the one who is king, the one who rules over everything, who rules everywhere, Jesus says, I will be your shelter, your protection. I'll, ca- I'll take care of you. Come to me. So, Jesus, so friends, the, the, the question today is, will you let Jesus be your refuge? Friends, flee to him, serve him, give him your allegiance and let him be the one you go to for safety. Let him be your refuge in life. Come to him when life is troubling. When your health fails, go to Jesus. When work constantly is a drain to you, go to Jesus. When marriage is hard, go to Jesus. When you fail at being the person you want to be, go to Jesus. When life seems to go every way except the way that it should, friends, go to Jesus. He hasn't promised to make everything better just like that. It's not a magic trick. He promises, though, to be your shelter, your refuge. To protect you and see you through it. Go to Jesus. And then when life gets easy, don't stray away from Jesus. Because you know that good times won't last. We all know that. And, and what's better than doing life with Jesus anyway? Stick with Jesus. Stay with Jesus because ultimately we need him as our great refuge. The one who shields us from the coming judgment. The one who shelters us through death to life again. And eternal life at that. The psalm says, blessed are all who take refuge in the great King Jesus. It's true, isn't it? Let me pray for us. Our loving and good God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks that Jesus is, a, is our refuge. Though he's not safe, though he's big and huge and more powerful than we can ever imagine. Help us go to him as our refuge and shelter through the troubling times of life. As the one we stick with when life isn't troubling. As the one who takes us through death to life again. Help us find shelter and protection and refuge in our true King Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.